Hello and welcome to Potter Not, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings like Zoe and Adela, and for those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive in like E. Uh, I'm Adela. I'm a fan in crisis. I had the idea for this podcast last week and I thought it was weird, but my friends thought it was cool, so we're going to do it. You can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L, underscore, underscore. Hi, I'm Zoe, a jaded Harry Potter fan. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And you can buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, uh, on IndieBound or wherever fine online books are sold. And I'm E. I have never yet been a Harry Potter fan, but I'm hoping to be one. You can find me on... Twitter, also on Twitch and YouTube, at CEL10E. And I guess I can mention you can also find me on YouTube at Airedel Grace, where I have a few messy videos about my feelings about Harry Potter. And this is going to be a podcast about messy feelings about Harry this Potter. This is going to be a podcast about messy feelings. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's okay if we're a bit of a mess. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so this is our pilot episode. We are going to have certain segments that we do every week, but this week we're going to be doing things uh, a certain way. First, we'd like to talk about the different sorts of ways that we've interacted with Harry Potter throughout our lives, our own history with Harry Potter. Uh, For me, I started reading Harry Potter when I was eight years old, and I've reread the entire series basically every year since. I've listened to the audiobooks twice, and... Uh, I was part of the Ministry of Magic at my university. I was an exec on the exec team, so I'm pretty I'm pretty deep into the Harry Potter fandom, or at least I have been in the past. Do you want to talk about your crisis now? Yeah, I guess I should talk about my crisis now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, in the past couple of years, since the author of these books has been. Uh, revealing more of herself and uh also refusing to stop writing things about harry potter i have started to have a lot of conflicted feelings and that has culminated this year in what i am calling adela's harry potter crisis 2019 uh which wherein i just cry sometimes about how much i love harry potter and dislike the author at this point yeah valid yeah um I'm a few years older than Adela, but I also started reading the books when I was eight, when they came out in the United States in 1998. Um, I was eight, obviously, when the first book came out. I was 17 when the final book came out and 21 when the final movie came out. So I just sort of tracked right along with all of them, including the ages of the actors in the movies. Um, I very much grew up with Harry Potter. I had issues with it probably as I was reading it for a variety of reasons, Uh, but I was also in regular conversation with other fan spaces in the Harry Potter world. So I was um, a fairly early adopter of MuggleNet. I read a lot of fan fiction on Fiction Alley, and I was pretty involved in just sort of like in-person conversations with friends doing a lot of analysis uh, and a lot of early sort of message board situations with Harry Potter. Probably at some point when I was in high school, so before the last book came out, I had a lot of issues with it, but still had a lot of love for it. Those issues have just grown and grown and grown over the years, um, starting with issues of representation 
and the lack thereof in Harry Potter with some of the expanded canon that was happening with a lot of the sort of bits and pieces that started being released during the movies and after the books were finished. And then when JKR started deciding that what she was going to do was keep going for no particularly good reason. Um, and as a fan scholar myself, I sort of take umbrage at that. <laughs> uh, <with> my little <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, sort of take umbrage at that because uh, as much as authors should be fans of their own works and their own worlds, uh, that's our space as fans. And so I have a, a multi-layered uh, issue with Harry Potter, but it does hold a very particular and special place in my heart. Yeah, I have never uh, read a single word or seen a single minute of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up uh, in a in a fairly conservative Christian home. I was an avid reader, like I loved to read as a kid, but my parents were very always concerned about what material I was reading and they were among the uh, cohort of uh, Christian parents who thought that because it was about witches and wizards and magic and dark things, that Harry Potter was not suitable for Christian children. So I did not read Harry Potter during the zeitgeist of Harry Potter among, you know, kids who were growing up with it. Um, And then I got into high school where I was sort of making my own decisions but never I feel like I sort of missed the boat like everyone my age was into Twilight by that point <laughs> it was it was other things that were um that were popular with with folks my age like Harry Potter was a thing from their childhoods that a lot of people still loved but it wasn't the new series that everyone was talking about so I didn't end up reading it then I did, uh, I was extremely online during the years when Starkid was huge, so I have yeah. watched, I have watched a Harry Potter musical and its sequel, which was a wild time because I know nothing, like, even at that point I had some cultural osmosis knowledge, like, obviously I knew who the main characters were, I knew what the houses were, like, a very basic idea of the plot. But not nearly enough to get all of the jokes. But I enjoyed that. I have read some of My Immortal. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than me. Um, I think I think I made it through like a few chapters before going, this isn't I don't know enough about this for this to be funny to me. And then stopped. Uh but I mean, as with anyone who's been online in a fandom space whether that be Tumblr or LiveJournal or Twitter or pretty much any fandom space in the last, like, 15 years, Harry Potter is everywhere. So I feel like I could confidently name, like, all of the major and secondary and some of the tertiary characters on site. So are we quizzing E at the end? Is that what's happening? <laughs> there will be an exam. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like... I don't know how much I don't know, but I feel like I know a lot. Maybe we should do a pre and post test as you do to properly assess your student. Oh yes, yeah, see how much I've learned. 
Please name all of the Weasleys in order of descending age. Now, see, that's the part that would get me. <laughs> yeah. I still have uh, all of my trivia questions from when I was the head of the Department of Mysteries at York's Ministry of Magic. And I used to do the trivia quizzes at our events. So I still have those if we want to do that at some point. <laughs> I think we should at some point. Okay. In, in case I didn't make it clear, like, Harry Potter is extremely near and dear to my heart and has been for my entire life. Um, it's, I used to say it was the closest thing to my heart this year that has been contested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's this, this, this project along with other writings and random thought splatters that I've been doing is just me trying to, uh, come to terms with loving a thing when you no longer agree with the writer and also when you realize all of the problems with it and still loving it. Yeah. Because soon after the last time I I made a big video about this, I was listening to the to the end of the sixth book um on audiobook and like there was a passage that made me cry and it was like I, it was a beautiful passage and I was like oh I actually do still love this um so it's just it's just a lot of conflicted feelings <laughs> yeah which is sort of why we're doing this because it's a way for Adela and I to process some feelings and it's a fun way to introduce E to the series while acknowledging a lot of the issues that have come up and without brushing them aside because at this point you sort of can't get into Harry Potter without knowing and acknowledging these issues. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I will probably be going into it with conflicted feelings because I've seen fan responses like like yours and like the general fandom responding to what the author has chosen to do with the series and who the author has been revealing herself to be as a person with opinions. And yeah. a lot of people are really upset about that in a lot of different ways. And so it's hard to not have that in mind going into it. Like, it's not just, you know, I'm not going to be going into it as an eight-year-old picking up a new fiction series. Yep. I, don't, I have so much baggage already. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how that goes. I'm, I'm excited, actually. I'm very excited. So we're going to... He's going to start reading the books. I am. I have borrowed yeah. the books from Zoe, actually. <laughs> One of my sets. So throughout this podcast, E will be reading the books. I think, Zoe, you said you're also going to be rereading. I might. I have since picked up the newest Philip Pullman book that came out, uh, A Secret Commonwealth, and it is 656 pages, and I would like to actually reread His Dark Materials and La Belle Sauvage because I have sort of forgotten what has happened, um, and that's a lot of words. I have so many books to read. I am currently reading the third Harry Potter book in French, and I just finished re-listening to the audiobooks, so I think I'm good for not rereading them. I have loaned to eat my British copies, one through four, which I used for an independent study in college on young adult literature. Um, I aim to reread along with E. Um, my American edition has a massive 
spine breach at page 5455 and 122, 123, where there's just like no longer a connection between the chunks oh, of wow, pages. Um, so we will see. That's the other thing I'm really, this will be interesting because I'm glad that you gave E the British editions because yes. I have, I, I have problems with the American editions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think as we go through, and this is another reason it would be nice to reread along with is like, E, you're going to come across, well, this is maybe a conversation for our next episode in which E will have read chapters one through four. Um, but the first three books got pretty heavily edited for an American audience. And starting in book four, they were edited less and less. So oh, I didn't know that. Seven are much, much closer to the British editions. And books one through three are different in language and just word usage. Um, but I, I forgot to mention, um, I have a half sleeve of illustration tattoos. And one of the illustrations that is permanently inked into my skin is the chapter art from the American edition, chapter five, Diagon Alley, which is uh, a chair with a bunch of wands on it. So that's about where I am with Harry Potter. I also have the stars from the corners of the American editions of the pages on my shoulders. So uh, that's so cool. Yeah. So in case you didn't, you didn't notice how, how much, how close this is to our hearts for Zoe and I. Yeah. Zoe has things permanently tattooed onto her body. And I used to be a, the, the head of the Department of Mysteries at my university. So, <laughs> yep, that's, that's where we are. <laughs> Shall we talk about our houses? Yeah. So last week, the three of us sat down together, well, on, in our separate homes. <laughs> should, we, should we first address the Pottermore elephant in the room? Uh, yeah, I guess should we? Maybe. So, yeah. So, so the, the, the premise of this podcast yeah <laughs> idea was to go through Pottermore page by page and basically break it down analyze what we like what we don't like etc and we were looking at Pottermore last week and everything was great in that time like literally in the past I think four days four days, four days yeah. uh Pottermore has been taken offline so this was announced about five, six months ago. It is currently October 2019. Um, about four or five months ago, it was announced, maybe a little longer than that, that Wizarding World was going to be a thing and it was going to take over for Pottermore, but that Pottermore wasn't going anywhere. You would just need to create a Wizarding World account to access your Pottermore stuff. That appears to no longer be true. Um, I will attempt to find that AV Club article from... A while back that had that information in it uh, and we will put the updated AV, uh, uh, AV Club article or another in the show notes that tells you about the switchover. Um, yeah in the past week it went from Pottermore being the second iteration of Pottermore which at some point we'll talk about the first iteration but <laughs> not today. Um, it went from being the second iteration of Pottermore with these grandiose collections of JKR's writing that we were hoping to analyze for good and ill um, to being a website very much under construction in which you can really no longer see a bunch of the stuff that you used to be able to see. So we will be working a little bit off of notes today mm -hmm. from last week. Yeah, notes and archive efforts from various fans. 
uh, that we found on Reddit. There's a um, Wikia, like a fandom website for Pottermore. And then also the extended sorting hat quiz, wizardmore.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's start with our, our Pottermore houses because we got similar results, but different results. Yeah, so we all created fresh, we all created fresh accounts mm-hmm. when we did this so that we could take the quiz again. Shall I go first? Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. So the first time I took the Pottermore quiz, I was 15, I think, when Pottermore came out. And I got Gryffindor. And so I have always identified as a Gryffindor until 2017 when I decided to retake the quiz and I got Hufflepuff and immediately had an identity crisis. <laughs> this time, when we just took it again last week, I also got Hufflepuff uh, for the Pottermore quiz. So, which is interesting. I, I, I do very much agree with a lot of Hufflepuff things. So, I. I guess I'll go next just for the overview. Yeah. Um, basically, since any quiz has ever existed in any of the fan spaces ever online, I have taken it and come out as a Ravenclaw, created a brand new account, took it, and came out as, in this order, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw. <laughs> so we continued to retake the quiz until she could get... Yeah. I was... I. It was one of those things where... Um, and actually, after we hung up last week, I went to the BuzzFeed quiz that I've taken uh-huh. before, and I did still get Ravenclaw. So I don't know what had changed with the Pottermore quiz. I don't know if I had, like, gamed it or whatever in the past, but I did game it this time to get back to Ravenclaw, because <laughs> as much as I am jaded, this is an important part of my childhood and personality sometimes. Um, um, I think part of it is uh, I'm a librarian. I've written a book. I am very much an academic, and so the idea of sort of the primary house being anything other than Ravenclaw feels strange. Um, but I do acknowledge this is a fictional world that we are diving into, et cetera, et cetera. caveat, caveat, caveat. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> it's real in our hearts. Um, I, I do remember making a Pottermore account when it first came out. Uh, I have no recollection of what I got on the Sorting Hat quiz. I have a suspicion that it was probably Hufflepuff because I yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've changed that much in how I would answer these questions in the last redacted number of years. <laughs> but uh I did get Hufflepuff when I created my account this time. Uh yeah, that's that's pretty that that makes sense to me. I would have suspected that or Gryffindor, knowing what I know about the houses. But but I'm content. Uh, then we took. Yeah, but then we were not content. <laughs> <laughs> we were not content with Pottermore's judgment alone. So especially based on the fact that it uses at least three randomly generated um, fifty-fifty flip a coin mm-hmm. situations, including one of them, which is flip a coin or like true or false. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's true or false, <laughs> heads or tails, dark or light. Uh, right or left, I think, are the ones that they use. And so we decided that this was not scientific enough. And so we have gone forth and we took two other quizzes uh, the extended sorting hat quiz from wizardmore.com and the primary and secondary quiz from 
ejadelomix.itch.io slash sorting hat chats. And we will put that URL in the show notes. It's a very good quiz. I believe that's also... Uh, I believe that's also linked to sortinghatchats.tumblr.com. Yes. Which is where they have descriptions of, of their system. Um, and you can also view all of the results there without actually taking the extensive and very specific quiz if you desire. Mm -hmm. But one of the benefits of the extended sorting hat quiz, which uses all of the Pottermore questions but weights them, and you can go to wizardmore.com and go to their resources, and they have a Reddit post in which they have gone through and explained how everything is weighted, is as you answer the questions, it will show you percentage-wise where you're fitting into each of the houses um, yeah. so you can so see the is, breakdown there. It's very yeah. easy to game this quiz, but it's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so for that extended quiz, they haven't added any... They haven't changed the Pottermore questions. They've just put them all in the same all quiz. Together, yeah. So you can take... Because on Pottermore, your questions are determined by the previous questions answered. Um, yeah. And they, the first question, which determines all the other questions in your quiz, is randomly generated, which is also maybe a reason that I had got different houses. Right. So on the expanded Pottermore quiz, I got Hufflepuff was my highest, 35%, then Gryffindor is 28%, Ravenclaw is 27%, and Slytherin is 10%. So I still got Hufflepuff as my highest, even though I was trying to game it to get Gryffindor to go higher. <laughs> I um, tried not to game this one, actually. I, I didn't watch the percentages, uh, but I did come out with 37% Ravenclaw, 30% Hufflepuff, 19% Gryffindor, 13% Slytherin. So um, again, Ravenclaw came out on top. I am still upset about the way that WB and the Wizarding World has changed the Ravenclaw crest but that's a conversation for probably <laughs> after he has read the second section yeah. of the first book yeah on the full quiz i came out as 35 percent hufflepuff i think it seems like all three of us were were biased like we came out pretty strongly towards um towards our top house in the 30 mm -hmm. high 30 percent mm -hmm. uh 29 ravenclaw which i did not expect that to be my second highest 22% Gryffindor, 14% Slytherin. Yeah, when I when I say I gamed it, it was it was all the the questions at the end, the true or false, etc. questions that I was just playing with them until I could get Gryffindor higher than Ravenclaw because Ravenclaw was originally higher for me also. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't game the rest of the quiz, just the, just those questions, which I think is fine, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um. I mean, like, this is where we get into one of the interesting things about the sorting hat is that it is, at its core, a personality test. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And like all personality tests, you can game them, and they probably don't mean that much, much because people are multilayered and complex. Mm -hmm. um, but the last quiz that we took attempted to sort of work on that on both pieces of that. It was much more difficult to game because it was not showing you, like, I want the intelligent answer. I want the brave answer. This one felt a lot more like, it, it was very close to, like, a Myers-Briggs test or, like, yes. a, um, what do you call it, Enneagram test. Like, it was very... Yes, it was much more like what you would call a pseudoscientific personality test in its depth and breadth 
Um, and also the benefit of that quiz in particular, and this is the sorting hat chat, um, is that that one provides a primary and a secondary aspect for yourself within each house. And it also provides a whole subcategory called burned. So just like we're all burnt out, um, <laughs> turns out you can be burnt out on your house, which is a lot more of a human response to living in a world where there are constant existential threats, such as Harry Potter or 2019. And yeah. there's also another subcategory called modeling, where you can be modeling another house. You can be you can have a primary house and have a different house as a model, which means that's like those are the values that you would wish you could use in your life. Yeah, you adopt the the traits of another house to as coping strategies or as as something you perform. It's a very in-depth quiz. It's very good. Yeah, uh, I, it, it was really interesting to me how they took the framework that I had always seen as an outsider as just being, oh, she made a, a you know, the brave house, the evil house, the smart house, and the other house. <laughs> yep. uh, and that, like... You know, I knew people had taken that and run with it. I didn't realize that they had run with it that far. So the Sorting Hat Chats quiz was really, like, I don't know, really interesting to me is, like, oh, somebody has taken this and obviously put a ton of work and thought and care into it, into developing it into a, into a usable, like, personality, like, identification system. In a lot of ways, uh... Sorting hat quizzes can feel a lot like sun sign astrology, <laughs> where you can then expand that from like the brave house and the whatever. And like in sun sign astrology, I'm a cancer, right? So you have that sort of basic thing, but you can also go to a random website and do like a full natal chart that shows all of your rising planets and all of these different things. Right. And of course, people are not determined by the stars in which they have no control over under which they are born in the same way that people are not determined by the fictional positioning of a house in a fictional world <laughs> in a Thatcherist world of the UK, but it can be a lot of fun. And so seeing yeah. someone basically take that same approach to like, okay, well, let's do basically a birth chart, but for your houses, let's look at who you model. Let's look at um, how you interact with others, and let's look at if you're burnt out and all these different things. It's one of the great examples of how fans have taken Harry Potter into their own, and that we don't need JKR to tell us, oh, this is what it is. We can do this ourselves, and we're quite good at it, uh, yeah. based on pure evidence of the things on the internet. There are also some things on the internet that aren't as great. He mentioned My Immortal, which I'm sure we will get to at some point. <laughs> Oh dear, I am not ready. <laughs> but to be fair, with My Immortal, I mean, it shaped a lot of what we think of as modern fanfiction trope. So yeah. there's a whole I could soapbox forever about fanfiction. Oh yes, <laughs> and fanfiction on the internet. I'm sure you could as well, Zoe. Yes, uh, I wrote a book on that one. But in this one, should we talk about our results for the? Yeah, prior I think both of you should do your results first because I had a time with this quiz. Oh, <laughs> That's you <true>. sure did. <laughs> um, for the primary secondary, I came out as primary Ravenclaw secondary Hufflepuff. Very basic. Read through the descriptions. 
nothing seemed off. I'm not burned. I'm not modeling. Um, the most I might do is model Hufflepuff or like bump my secondary a little higher up, but it was very straightforward. Uh, very strongly Ravenclaw in the primary and fairly strongly Hufflepuff in the secondary. Essentially what that means is that I um, am smart and intellectual and tend towards the logic of things. I'm a Vulcan, except that I'm also part human. Secretly, I am Spock, um, which you will appreciate. Uh, and that you, if you are secondary Hufflepuff, you have like a soft side to you and you care about what people think and you care for others within the model of being a Ravenclaw with this logical framework. Yeah, they they describe the primary and secondary as like your why and your how. Yeah. So like your primary is is the way you see the world and the viewpoint that shapes, you know, how you think about things and how you approach things and the secondary has more to do with what your your behavior and how you how you do how you act upon it. Yeah, how you act upon it, which is interesting. Um I was surprised by what I ended up getting from this quiz, I had a uh, a more complicated time with it than Zoe did. Um, I had my primary was pretty simple. I I ended up on Hufflepuff primary pretty quickly, but it took me a bit going through the secondary options because none of them were quite matching me. Um, I ended up on burned Hufflepuff secondary. Um, so you can have the same house as both your primary and secondary. They they have no issues with that. But saying that the secondary is burned says that you, you know, you want to be performing this, you want to be doing this, but you're burned out on actually being able to do it. Which is, oof, called me right out. <laughs> Adela, you want to tell us about your journey? <laughs> so I actually took this quiz of like a month ago with some friends and it was a lot easier than it was this time but I, I I got the same results eventually this time it just took me I was on this quiz for about an hour uh just cycling through and rethinking and basically I've, I've ended up with Gryffindor primary and Hufflepuff secondary uh there's also a chance that I model both Gryffindor and Hufflepuff as my primary um which means that it, it, it it's a lot about the more like having a, a strong moral compass um and then hufflepuff secondaries is a lot about uh being uh, that community is important to you and um but the thing that happened to me when i did the quiz this time is that i uh first i was stuck between the two houses hufflepuff and gryffindor for my primary and they have this quiz is really cool because they have a section that actually just compares whatever two houses you are you're conflicted about. Yeah, the quiz is really in depth. It's so it, in it depth. It really lets you yeah. cycle through when you're not sure about something. It will provide like specifically written text for if you're considering between two things and specifically tell you here's the difference between these two things. Um at one point I I was considering a Gryffindor, a burned Gryffindor secondary, actually, with a Hufflepuff primary. Um, obviously, it's, it's obvious from my results that I am a, just a Gryffindor, but <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, I, I, I stalled the hat twice, basically, with this quiz, which I didn't even know was a thing that could happen, but I got a message that said, uh, 
congratulations, you're a hat stall. We need, you, we need to ask you some more questions, bear with us. And so I continued doing the quiz for a while. And then I got another message that said, uh, you're a complete hat stall and you're beautiful. We're sorry, we're having a hard time sorting you. You're going to Aww. have to do some of the legwork here for us. <laughs> um, so then I continued doing it for another 15 minutes or so. And I finally got to a point where it didn't have any more responses for me. It didn't have a message. It didn't have any options for me to click on. It was just like, this is where you are now. And that was Gryffindor primary and Hufflepuff secondary. And they were like, if you're not happy with these results, you can refresh and start again. And this is something that's important in the books. And E will get to this in the second reading episode, um, but is sort of well-known culturally and something that we talked about last time we chatted. And so I'm not afraid of spoilers here, uh, which is that, and this is something that Pottermore doesn't take into account yeah. Um, and it's something that the extended Pottermore quiz doesn't take into account because it only uses the Pottermore questions, but the Sorting Hat Chats does, which is choice. And one of the big things in Harry Potter is that the Sorting Hat, which is basically a sentient being, which is a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Sorting Hat. That? Yeah, no kidding. I'm sure there's a Pottermore page on it. <laughs> uh, there is. Yeah. Um, the sorting hat takes choice into account. So yeah. in the way that like I kept getting when I took this quiz last week when we were chatting in, prepare in preparation for this episode, I got Hufflepuff twice and Gryffindor once. If this had been, if Harry Potter was real and if I was sitting on the stool and I had the hat on my head and the sorting hat was like, oh, you're probably a Hufflepuff, but you're a little bit of a Ravenclaw, I could have said, well, put me in Ravenclaw because I have that academic drive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this sorting hat chats quiz when you go through it, it says, we think you're an X. Do you agree? Are you not sure? Would you like to read more? Mm -hmm. And it provides you that option of choice, which is so important for the Harry Potter books and for, to go ahead and spoil that, for Harry himself. Right, because it, mm -hmm. like, it feels like the whole thing about this system is that it's not just a, a snapshot of your personality as you fundamentally unchangeably are which is how a lot of personality systems do but it's what you aspire to be yeah which brings in the choice thing yeah um which yeah it does seem like pottermore really lacks or yeah. lacked so i think my conclusion from all of this given the choice thing is i am a gryffindor <laughs> <laughs> i am a gryffindor which is originally what i was i think the other thing that I didn't mention is that I, when I got Gryffindor the first time, I didn't think that that made sense for me. And I spent a good seven years getting used to the idea of being a Gryffindor and becoming a proud Gryffindor. And so when I found out I was a Hufflepuff the next time, that was why it was kind of an identity crisis anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think I am a Gryffindor. I'm happy with that. And I like the, prim the Hufflepuff primary and modeling Hufflepuff. So, Yeah. Um, in Pottermore, since theoretically, depending on how Pottermore functions, we'll be using Pottermore mostly from here on out. Uh, we did find the <laughs> functional Hufflepuff page, which does exist currently on the new one. I guess it's Wizarding World now. It is Wizarding World now. I mean, we can still call it Pottermore. That's such a, that's so much less interesting of a name. It is. Um, it does give a cute little description of the Hufflepuff common room, 
And since you both placed into Hufflepuff for Pottermore, um, we should probably give a little description of what yeah. Pottermore thinks that you live in, which is a hobbit hole. Yes, absolutely. that is absolutely appropriate for me. <laughs> also feels very appropriate for me, considering that the series that I did grow up with was The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> Another piece of my large tattoo. I will one day have a tattoo of that also. <laughs> yeah, we can do that on a different podcast. Um, <laughs> the Hufflepuff Common Room is beautiful. It is primarily yellow. The official colors of Hufflepuff are um, yellow and black, and their mascot, I guess it's not a mascot. It is the symbolic image of the house, is a badger. So uh, European badgers, I assume, yes. and not American badgers, which are... <laughs> horrifying yeah the european <laughs> um, badger which is cute and aggressive as opposed to the american one which is terrifying and aggressive or the honey badger which is more terrifying <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um in a lot of folklore badgers are kind and caring and attack only when threatened which is probably pretty accurate for hufflepuff mm -hmm. um and it is also right next to the kitchens the entrance <laughs> to the um the common room uh, and the image on Pottermore, it shows these little round porthole windows and a big round porthole door uh, with sunlight streaming through and lots and lots and lots of plants. Um, it is a sloping earthy passage. I mean, it really, it, let's be honest, it, this is literally just a it, hobbit hole. Yeah. This is a hobbit hole. Is this a type of illustration that existed in the books or is no, this no. Post These were made for Pottermore. That's one okay, of my favorite yeah. things about Pottermore is the illustrations. Pottermore has a lot of issues, as we will cover, but the illustrations were genuinely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the description from the Ravenclaw common room because it doesn't currently exist on Wizarding World. But we do know what it looks like. But we do know what it looks like because way back in the day, I downloaded the, the wallpaper for the Ravenclaw common room. It is a very tall ceilinged domed common room. The dome is painted dark blue with a pattern of stars and constellations. There are little divans, like, a, like fainting beds um, for you to sit on and study at. Um, high backed but comfortable chairs next to tables. Um, and of course, uh, the statue of the Grey Lady. No, it's the statue of Rowena Ravenclaw. Statue of Rowena Ravenclaw. The Grey Lady yes. is, is not Rowena Ravenclaw. That Thank would you. be a yes. spoiler. That would be a spoiler, <laughs> yes. Statue of Rowena Ravenclaw. The big thing about the Ravenclaw common room is that in the books, the Slytherin and Gryffindor common rooms require passwords. The Hufflepuff common room requires a specific movement um, and is not that hard to get into. And the Ravenclaw common room, which is something that you don't find out until book seven, but it doesn't matter and isn't a spoiler, so I will okay. just go ahead and say it, is that it provides you with a riddle or puzzle or academic question. And to get into the common room, you have to provide an answer. It doesn't necessarily have to be the right answer, but it has to be a logical answer. Hmm. So it's Mensa. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. cool. And so in the former page for Ravenclaw on Pottermore, which may or may not exist again, it had a little prefect message that said for each of the houses, it had a little, I'm prefect, what's the one? And welcome to your house. And this is what you should know about it. And maybe you've heard of our famous 
people who have attended Hogwarts. It said, you know, like, you're probably going to get stuck. And we encourage you to speak with your classmates. This is um, a way for you to continue learning outside of the classroom. It's a way for you to make friends. It's a way for you to connect with your house is you will often find people just sitting outside the common room because they can't get in. And you won't be alone in that. Um, and I think that that's really important to remember is this is like a high and mighty Mensa house, right, in the books. Um, but uh, when you do come across it later in book seven and a few other times um, on Pottermore and in subsequent fan fiction after book seven, um, people get stuck all the time and the Ravenclaws are constantly helping each other out, which uh, I really like. Yeah, so, that's very yeah, cool. That's really nice. Oh, yes. Uh, the Ravenclaw colors are not the colors that you see in the films. They are not gray and blue. They are bronze. And the symbolic animal is not a raven. It's an eagle, mm -hmm. which is yeah. important to remember because all of that was changed. And even though it doesn't match canon, it has been changed to a raven on Pottermore and in the movie. But in the original books, it's, uh, it's an eagle. And it still says an eagle in the books, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The uh, Gryffindor common room, I don't have a wallpaper downloaded, but I do remember what it looks like. Yeah. Um, Big fireplace. Has a huge fireplace. It's also uh, in a tower. The Ravenclaw common room is in a tower, and so is the Gryffindor mm -hmm. one. Um, and it has, it has a big fireplace. It's a very cozy room, lots of dark reds and golds because those are Gryffindor colors. Uh, it has cushy armchairs. It's very cozy. Uh, there's, there's some, I think there's trophies. Mm -hmm. A lot of sports equipment. A lot of sports equipment. There's a big bulletin board that has like all the clubs posted up on it. And their colors are officially red and gold and their animal is a lion. Yeah. I do think that if I went to Hogwarts in real life, or if I was a character in Harry Potter, I would have chosen Gryffindor because Hufflepuff colors look terrible on me. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot wear yellow. You can wear black, though. I can wear black, but, like, black Everyone is... Everyone has to wear black at Hogwarts if you wore anyway, black, but... Yeah, if you wore black without the yellow, it wouldn't yeah. be identifiable. So I would have chosen to be Gryffindor, probably. <laughs> the Slytherin common room is... In the books, the Slytherin common room is underneath the and it is described as very green and the art from the original Pottermore, which way or may not get switched over to Wizarding World, showed that uh, very stiff, high-backed chairs, big, black, glossy table, um, medium-sized fireplace. And the Slytherin common room doesn't have windows to outside. It has windows to the, the lake. So the water, the light that comes in is like watery green light. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their colors are green and silver, which are the best colors. And uh, their house uh, symbol is a snake for reasons that will become important when E gets to book two. Indeed. Yeah. I think that about wraps up the quiz stuff. Do we want to briefly talk about our wands? Yeah. I think yeah. we should do that. Because we did do that when Pottermore was extant. We took a the wand ago. quiz, um, and now it doesn't tell us anything about our wand. I will say up front that this is one of the aspects of Harry Potter that I have never known anything about. Well, you've got a long yeah. way to go before you learn much more. <laughs> yeah, I, 
one of the things that did not enter me, enter my understanding through cultural osmosis was what wands are made of and what that has to do with anything. Yeah, that's... So when I took this quiz, I got a result and I was like, all right, I guess (laughs) that's something. Yeah. um, Hold that thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Till you get to book seven and like the last third of book seven. Okay, I I will will stash that thought. At some point, we will read the wand lore page. Yeah, a long time ago. Adela, you want to list your wand? Sure. Uh, So I got the exact same wand that I got when I first did this in high school, except a different type of wood. And I don't remember what the description was for the original wood I got, uh, which was holly, which is the same as Harry's. Um, But this time I got a maple wand that is 14 and a half inches and a unicorn tail hair. Do you know what flexibility it was? I feel like it might have been fairly swishy. That sounds like potentially what it was, but I also could be entirely wrong. My page did load on Wizarding World. I got elm wood with a unicorn hair, core 11 inches, hard flexibility. Elm is prized for its uh, power and stability as a wand and was often associated with pure bloods because of that, but it doesn't actually mean anything with pure blood. It's just that it is a very powerful wand and tends to produce very consistent spells. Uh, unicorn hair is the most consistent and reliable core. And then 11 inches is on the short side, but it doesn't indicate any deficiencies of character. That would be eight inches and under. And hard flexibility means that I am not a particularly wavering person. Yeah, the length of the wand is usually connected to your height. Yeah, except when it's very, very short. And then it indicates a lack of yeah. something. Okay, I found I found my thing also on Pottermore. Um, it's solid flexibility, mm. actually, so I was incorrect. Uh, and for, I should say, Maplewood wands choose wizards who are nature travelers and explorers. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I am that. It also says that possession of a maple wand has long been a mark of status because of its reputation as the wand of mm-hmm. high achievers. So that's interesting. And I, I'm really curious about what the Hollywood was because that's what I originally got. And that's what Harry has. So that would be interesting to see. Yeah. E. Um, yeah, I got pear wood. I, I do not remember what that meant. Um, unicorn hair core, 14 and a half inches because <laughs> I called myself tall, and slightly yielding flexibility. Apparently, if you call yourself tall, it's automatically 14 and a half inches. Yeah, and I think if you call yourself short, you get 11 inches. But I did because I'm. I'm looking at Maybe my wand right now. I have a wand that was custom made for me from. I can't remember what the wand site there used to be a wand site that would custom make your your potter more fan or official i would no it was it was a fandom um company but they would make it out of the actual wood that your wand is made of um oh that's so good yeah uh i can't remember what it's called i will i will try to find it but yeah i have my i have my hollywood wand (laughs) in my hand right now (laughs) nice Fans are great. Really, that that was the thing I wanted to say earlier when you mentioned the the a very Potter musical, which is one it's of my favorite things. Extremely that have ever good in this fandom. Uh, is that there have been so many good things that have come out of 
Harry Potter existing in the world. For sure. From the fandom doing things like the Harry Potter Alliance is is a really good activist group, charity group. Um, They're very good. And there's a there's a lot of other things that Harry Potter fans do that are just wonderful, aside from creating such cool stories in fan fiction and in musicals, etc. Yeah. Like people we we have done things good things in the world, which makes me less upset about the whole thing. <laughs> it's definitely the most high profile or like most visible fandom among our generation i want to say that like does things as a fandom yeah i would say that um in that way it it helped shape fandoms that came after it like you look at um nerdfighteria which is the vlog brother fandom john and hank green and they that fandom specifically modeled itself on a lot of what had come before it with the activism that the harry potter fandom had done like and explicitly yeah. so. Yes. Which by the way, I discovered the Vlog Brothers through a Wizard Rock video that Hank made, which I will eventually be sharing with you guys in one of the segments yeah, of this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that those two fandoms are, are really highly in a lot of ways. It it sounds like yeah, people whose older siblings mm-hmm. or older cohorts in school were those dedicated Harry Potter fans. And who yeah. were reading YA when like the fifth, sixth, and seventh books were coming out and sort of read all the first ones all at once. Um, yeah. Which is a very different experience than what, for instance, Adela and I experienced, which is like you read the first one when you were eight and then you waited a year and then you read the second one when you were nine and then you waited a year and you read the third one a couple of years later and then you had like a three-year gap because she went and had kids. And then the fourth one came out. <laughs> the first three books uh, were out when I started reading oh, okay. them. But I read, so I read the first three books within like the first year of reading them. And then the fourth book I had to wait for and then wait and wait and wait. Yeah. But still you waited you for did. any of them. Yeah. Yeah. The seventh yeah. book came out when I was uh, between grade nine and 10, I think. I wish I had gone to one of the midnight, midnight releases. I never, you did, know, I never but... did either. Um... Cause I live in a small town and like, they weren't that big of a thing here. So I, I didn't need to like line up for hours to get the book. I could just go into the store and get it the day it came out. It'd be fine. I, <laughs> yeah. I always ordered mine ahead of time because I didn't want to miss something and I didn't want to end up in line without a guaranteed copy coming. But also I was a lot more interested in reading them than I was in interacting with like a massive group of people reading them in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely read them all by myself. The first, yeah, the first time I read through all the books was not, I was not in any sort of fandom space at all. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't know what the internet was barely (laughs) when I was that age. Yeah. By the time the third one came out, the internet was, you know, going well and strong. And I had a Fictionally account. And I definitely read things on there that I was way too young to read, which is very common with fan fiction. Um, shall we talk about what we're going to do next time? Um, yeah, so next week we're going to start our main segments of the podcast. Uh, e will re- be reporting their thoughts 
on the first four chapters of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes, it's the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adela and Zoe picked out what I was going to read, which is very nice. Uh, chapter one, The Boy Who Lived. Chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Chapter three, The Letters from No One. Chapter four, The Keeper of the Keys. Good yes. chapter titles. Yes. Um, good job. Yeah, good chapter titling. Who must not be named. Uh, we will also be diving into our first Pottermore page, which will be interesting. Yeah. About the Dursley family. And then Zoe is going to bring us one of her favorite headcanons, yes, right? I am. I'm going to bring a popular Tumblr post that many of you have maybe seen out there about um, a headcanon of an, an alternate universe. Um, and uh, it centers on Petunia Dursley. So uh, it's very, it's, good. it's wonderful. It is on the long side. Um, it made me cry. And we will put it in next week's show notes so that if you start the podcast and want to pause and read it, you can. Yeah, we will be having feelings. <laughs> yeah, a lot of feelings families. about families. Yeah. We didn't plan an outro for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall I just read the summary of book one? Yeah. So this is the official copyright page from the American edition uh, of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, because I have the American edition here with me. So the summary is, rescued from the outrageous neglect of his aunt and uncle, a young boy with a great destiny proves his worth while attending Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Hooray. So I'm walking over to my bookshelf so I can look at the back cover of my. Yeah. I'm looking at the back cover of of um of the one you lent me. Yeah, there is one sentence on the back. Harry Potter thinks he is an ordinary boy until he is rescued by a beetle-eyed giant of a man, enrolls at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, learns to play Quidditch, and does battle in a deadly duel. The reason, and then all caps, Harry Potter is a wizard. This is very strange, because mine is slightly different. And it doesn't make sense. I think it's a typo, <laughs> or like a mistake. And I, I've had this book since I was eight years old and have never noticed this. But it says, Harry Potter thinks he is an ordinary boy, until he is rescued by an owl taken to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, learns to play Quidditch, and does battle in a deadly duel. The reason? Harry Potter is a wizard. But he got rescued by an owl. I mean... I hi, guess that's of? not untrue. <laughs> it's not untrue. Alright, so that, that's, that's... So that's us. That's us. That's this. Yeah. That's this. So welcome to Potternaut. We're gonna have so many feelings. We're gonna have a lot of feelings. <laughs> And uh bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. This is where we put in Morgan's beautiful podcast music. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um right. thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah. We hope you enjoy reminiscing slash being conflicted with us. You can find our show at some point on Twitter in the future. We will update you if yeah. that happens. This is Adela here again just to say the wonderful theme song you just heard is by Morgan Jackson. You can find more of his music at we did the time warp again.bandcamp.com. Also, we do have a Twitter now. You can find and keep up to date with the show at Potternot.
P-O-T-T-E-R-N-A-U-G-H-T on Twitter. Okay, bye!